So I was a, you don't know this about me, but I was a military instructor off and on for 10 years. I taught a, I taught a two-week class once a quarter, and I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed it being over with, too, because being on and talking and trying to keep up with the class for two weeks is exhausting on the weekends and everything else, but uh, it was always such a joy to see someone go from not knowing anything to completing the class and, and, and graduating and, and being able to do their job to protect our country. It was just amazing to see that difference. Um, but one thing that we always stress in military training was the terminal learning objective. That is, what are we working towards? Like, what do, at the end of this course, what do we want you to be able to do? Like, what are we working towards? We've got this main part. We're going to do all these little things in order for you to be able to do this big thing at the end. And that's what you're being evaluated on. This is your job. And so I always put that in front of them every day. This is what we're working towards. This is what we're working towards. This is what we're working towards. Because it's important to remember, what are we doing all this stuff for? And for the book of Hebrews that we're working towards, the main objective is that you as a Christian never give up. That things are hard and things are challenging at times, but you don't give up. You keep going. Paul called it the race. You're running a race to keep running the race that God has given you. And if I can teach you anything with my walk in Christianity, it is this, that God not only wants people to come to a saving grace through faith in Christ alone and to, to rest in that, like that is God's. God desires for everyone to be saved. And as we continue as Christians, God's desire for you is to be sanctified, is to grow in, your, in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, is to be sanctified. And that God uses us in his kingdom here on earth that his kingdom would grow. Now, the trap that you could fall, potentially fall in, that I've fallen into a lot of times, is, okay, God wants me to do something. I see in the Bible, he wants me to share the gospel, he wants me to be part of the church, he wants to do this, do this. And then I start getting this idea of, like, well, I want to see this many people saved and this many people to be baptized or this many churches to be started or the church to grow to this. And that's the trap that we get in because that might not even be God's goal. That might not even be his plan for you. So we have to seek God's will and what he would have us to do in the kingdom, for sure. But that goal towards working to maturity in Christ, is, it glorifies God. For you to become more like Jesus is to glorify God. For you to be in line with the kingdom of God and not this world is to glorify God. So the whole purpose of growing is to glorify God, the lover of our soul, who wants a relationship with us. That should be driving your desire and your heart to grow as a Christian. Not results-based, not works-based. It's simply to just please the Lord and being obedient. Letting the results up to the Lord. You could do nothing outside of Christ. And so there's this balance so God doesn't want you to give up. He doesn't want you to quit. Looking at the Guinness World Book of Records, because it says like the Bible is the most printed and sold book in the world. Could you think of how many Bibles have been printed roughly 
Let's throw out a number throughout history. How much? Yeah, higher. How much? Ten billion? Maybe not quite that. I mean, we don't know. Like somewhere between six and eight billion Bibles have been printed. I heard someone say, if everyone opened their Bibles at the same time throughout the world, there would be a large dust storm. Thought that was pretty funny. That we, we revere the Bible. Like you see, like, hey, somebody has moved out of their house. The Bible's still there. It's like the last thing you're going to throw away, right? Like, who wants this Bible? I don't want to throw it away. Like, we give reverence and awe and respect to the Bible, yet half of the people in the world probably don't even know the first book in the Bible, the name of it. And that makes me think about this theme of not giving up. Like, what was that barrier in someone's life that kept them from going from here to that next step in their walk with God. Something kept them from opening the Bible or or reading it or understanding it or anything. Something kept them from whatever that next step is in their life from going to the next step. And I ask you, like I pray for you, and we'll stop and pray, that God would reveal to you what it is in your life that's keeping you from growing in Christ, what, what is, what's keeping you from that next step? Because we're going to see here in, Hebrew, in Hebrews chapter 7, there was something keeping the Hebrew people, these Christians that were Jews and now become Christians, there was something that was keeping them from growing, and we're going to look at that. So let's just stop and pray, and that you would just ask God, it's between you and God, but that God would reveal to you today what is keeping you from growing. Dear Father, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us through your word, that you would, through the Holy Spirit, would speak into us and show us in your word what's keeping us from growing, taking that next step. And Lord, it's not out of selfish gain or, uh, or anything, that it's just getting to know you more and loving you more. So, Lord, I pray you would put that on our hearts, including myself and all God's people said, amen. So what is this barrier? If... If you remember the story of Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, right? And, and if they, the serpent said, if you eat this fruit, you will know good and evil. You, you, you'll be like God. You'll have more knowledge. And what did, they, what did they do? They ate of it. So instead of depending on God and just being, just being um, enjoying just a relationship and complete dependency on, on God, I'm going to eat this fruit and be more dependent upon myself like I want to know more and so pride and sin sin entered into the world but this pride of wanting to do things myself and my way got in the way of Adam and even even their relationship with God so pride kept them from growing in their relationship and sin entered into the world and I ask you today like what is keeping you from your next step in growth is it past church hurt is it evolution like i struggle with science and and evolution and maybe not lines up with the bible the way that i see it i've deconstructed my faith like there's parts of my faith that i don't like or didn't like in the past i'm deconstructing it and there's this part that i don't like and so i'm just going to abandon faith in church altogether 
Is it culture wars, homosexuality, trans, sex change, politics? Is it something in the culture that's going on today that you're saying, hey, this is keeping me potentially from growing in my faith? Some loss that you've had that God would never allow this to happen in my life. I had abusive childhood, whatever it be. I don't think God, is a, as a loving, kind God, would allow something like that to happen in my life. That's keeping you from growing the sin that you have the sin that you can't seem to get rid of. God must hate me because I, I can't get rid of this sin in my life that just keeps coming up all the time. Trusting the Bible to be true. Lust. Hell can't, hell can't really be a place, can it? For those that don't put their faith and trust in Jesus, they, when they leave this world, they wake up in hell for eternity. That can't really be true. So there is something that's holding you back from growing. No matter what level and, and how long you've been in the Christian. Philippians 2.12. Man, if you have that up on the screen. Philippians 2.12. It says this. Therefore, my beloved. That's you. If you didn't know. As a Christian, you're, you, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, you are called Beloved. So, Nick, I'm going to start calling you beloved. Is that all right? Yes. Okay. All right. You're welcome. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, here it is, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, if you're an unbeliever and you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, the literal fear and trembling should be what you're looking at. Because hell is a real place. Brandon talked on that last Sunday. But if you are a believer here today, fear is awe and respect of God. And trembling as if, as if you as a Christian have seen God. Like even if you're secure because of what Jesus and the work that he did, you would still be trembling a little bit, right? I mean, we could say that if we met God. So out of all in respect of God, and it's as if you had seen him yourself, you work out, like you have a plan. Like if you go to the gym to work out, you have a plan on what you're going to do from start to finish in order to have some gains. So the Bible is saying work out what you start complete. Your salvation is secure in faith alone and Christ alone. And God wants you to continue to work out your salvation to grow in Christ. It says do that in fear and trembling to take it very, very seriously. Is that what we're supposed to do? To work it out until it is complete. This complete is a complete dependency on God to do this within you. And it's through sanctification and it's through the word of God. As a believer, trembling should be a joyful thing. I hope you can see how I'm setting this up. We'll, we'll, we will get to Hebrews in a second. I was talking to a pastor, um, he, not in this area, farther away in Missouri. Um, but he was telling me about how the church there, older, established, how they would get really upset about things within the church. 
trivial things and how he, he has to deal with that all the time. And I tell everybody, I said, well, praise God that True Life Community Church, they haven't been taught to be upset about the color of the carpet. Like, we don't even have carpet, so you can't get upset about the color of the carpet, I guess. And I mention that to say, one, I brag on all of you. Two, I mention it to say that we have to keep the main and plain, the main and plain. Does that make sense? The main and the plain, the main and the plain. Like what we focus on are the most important things that the Bible talks about. Like if you can get that right, then everything else is okay. In Acts chapter 24, the main and plain here is the gospel of Jesus and the Bible, right? All the Bible points to Jesus. The gospel is the good news of Jesus. Like that, that's, the Bible is true. Like we, we, we go through the Bible, we look at the verses, that's what we're about here, right? We're looking at fellowship and loving one another, love God, those things. In Acts chapter 24, Acts chapter 2, verse 24 I want you to see this. Now, this is building up to what Hebrews, so just hang with me for a little bit. Acts chapter 2, Jesus had ascended into heaven. Holy Spirit's come. They're filled. They're out preaching the gospel. Thousands of people are coming to faith. And the apostles have some focus areas. And it says in, in verse 42, And they devoted themselves, the Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Some translations say doctrine. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So the doctrine of the apostles, the fellowship, being together, loving one another, breaking of bread, take the Lord's Supper, we do that once a month, and then praying. Like, fellowship and praying, that's... Some things I think I've been praying that we as a church continue to grow into. But focusing specifically on the apostles' doctrine or the apostles' teaching is those, I mean, they were hanging out with Jesus, right? You want to hear what they have to say about Christianity. That's their teaching. But they also, the apostles' teaching was taking the Old Testament and relating it to Jesus in the New Testament. And they did that because they're preaching a lot to Jews. The Jewish people, and even people at that time, understood the Old Testament. So you take the Old Testament, what happened, what's going on there, and you relate it to Jesus in the New Testament. So all the Bible is profitable for teaching and for rebuking. And so don't let anybody tell you the Old Testament's just thrown out the window. Because there's so many references to the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's good to understand. And it helps you understand God. So the doctrine's teaching. So if I told you that you're going to get an electric car for the first time, I would first start with what's the same with the gas car. I'd be like, hey, it's just like driving your gasoline car, except for you, when you go in the garage, you have to make sure you remember to plug it in. Right? That's really the difference, generally speaking. Or if you're out and you're starting to run low on battery, you've got to find a charger and plug it in. That's the difference. Same thing with, with Hebrews. 
with the apostles' teachings as it's referring a lot to the Old Testament stuff in order to teach these Jewish people that are now Christians about what it, Jesus means. Does that make sense? Same comparison. I think it's also important to point out that the, that the Old Testament has a lot of types and shadows of the New Testament of Jesus. So a type of Jesus or a shadow or a foreshadowing of Jesus to come. There's some similarities and parallels because the Old Testament points to the New Testament, points to Jesus. What are some of the examples of types and shadows in the Old Testament of, of Jesus, the coming Messiah who now sits at the right hand throne of God? Any? I was thinking of um, Jonah. He was in the belly of the well for three days. Jesus was in the belly of the earth for three days. Any other thoughts? Moses. Moses spoke for God. Jesus spoke for the Father. Isaac was a sacrifice. We're going to be a sacrifice. And then Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. Not only Jonah in the belly of the well, but Jonah came to save the people, right? So did Jesus. Noah was faithful to follow the will of his Father in heaven, even though people didn't understand, they mocked him, they scorned him. Same thing with Jesus. He had the faith to follow his, the fa- his Father's will, even when everyone had abandoned him and ridiculed him on the cross. The Passover the blood on the doorpost and it passed over that Jesus is the blood of our, the Lamb. He, he is our Passover, that God passes over our sins because of the... So you could go on for days with these things. And it's the same thing here in Hebrews when they're talking about the high priest. The high priest. But they had a lot of questions. And something, and this was holding them up from their growth in Jesus. Because they're saying that you, as this writer in Hebrews, you are telling me that Jesus is our high priest. Well, Jesus can't be our high priest because he didn't come from the tribe of Levi. And only priests come from the tribe of Levi. So we are confused and it's holding up our faith. And we don't maybe believe what you're saying. Hopefully you can relate to that. So the author of Hebrews goes on to say, and to make the point about this argument and this thing that was holding them up from their faith. So, I say all that to get us here. Hebrews 7, 1 through 4. For this Melchizedek, now we've been talking about Melchizedek for this whole time, and so now we get to really explain who this person is. So, for Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him, and To him, Abraham appointed a tenth part of everything. He is first by translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then he also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God. He continues a priest forever. See how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of his spoils. So Melchizedek, This is from Genesis chapter 14, where Melchizedek came out when Abraham was coming back from war. He just won war, and this priest and king, which no one else 
other than Jesus, has been both priest and king. But he comes out and he blesses Abraham. Which is important to know that he blessed Abraham because the higher blesses the lower. So it's saying Melchizedek is above Abram. Nobody's above Abraham to the Jews. But in this obscure area in Genesis 14, you say, no, Melchizedek was above Abraham. And Jesus is the high priest under Melchizedek. Ding, 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 ding. Just blows out your argument about why he's not from the tribe of Levi. Now, Melchizedek was a king and a prophet, or a king and a priest all at the same time. And he came out and he blessed Melchizedek, and and Abraham gave him 10% of his spoils. Now, this was a big war, and he defeated kings, and so that was a lot of money to be giving to this guy, 10% of the spoils. And it's very strange in verse 3, it says, he is without father or mother or genealogy, having no beginning or no end, because the Bible is all about genealogy. Now, you read some of the books of the Bible, it's... You're like, I can't get through all these names and genealogy stuff. So the Bible is really, really important and focuses on that. So why are they not talking about his genealogy? Now, some would say that it's a type or a shadow, uh, a foreshadow of Jesus. Some would say that it's a Christology or, or a theophany. That is, God appears in the Old Testament. All right? Christophany is where Christ himself appears in the Old Testament. So a theophany is God manifests himself in the Old Testament, like the burning bush, the man wrestling with Jacob on the shore of the riverbank, and God appeared to Abraham a a couple of times that I know of. So a theophany, some say it was Christ himself. Whether it was Christ himself or a foreshadow of Christ himself, I don't really know. The Bible doesn't say. But it's interesting in Genesis 14 that Melchizedek came out and blessed Abraham and he blessed him with wine and bread. Another point about how we take the Lord's Supper when we do juice. Juice and bread. And that is what he blessed him with was wine and bread. There's another point. Could have been Jesus himself. Kind of interesting. Again, the greater blesses the lesser. And in verse 4 and into 5, it says, See how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. And don't miss this part. It's kind of hard. Verse 5 and on. It's kind of hard to make this connection. But it says, And those descendants of Levi who receive the priestly office, have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers. And so the point that the Bible is making is that the Levites were taking offerings from the descendants of Abraham. And so therefore, Melchizedek is, as a priest, the high, priestly, high priest is above any priest that comes out of Levi. They're beginning to see the argument that Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is our king. He's our savior. He's our 
He's our shepherd. He, and they're making the argument here that he's the high priest because of Judaism. They're beginning to see, okay, I get it. This is why we can say Jesus is the high priest because he comes from the order of Melchizedek. Now, what do you think their reaction is? Is it anger? Is it being scared? Is it, is it being doubtful? Is it joyful? Is it skepticism? In verse 11, it says, Now if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical, that's the Levi, the tribe of Levi, through the Levitical priesthood, for under it there were people, the people received the law, so it's even saying that the, Le- the, the Levitical priesthood is even below. Jesus says, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than the one named after the order of Aaron? You see, the, the priesthood under the tribe of Levi could have never achieved perfection because it was under the law. Jesus is perfect He couldn't have been under the tribe of Levi because he is the high priest who is perfect. So he couldn't even have been under the tribe of Levi. So it's better that he's not. And a lot of times I kind of challenge people when they talk about the Ten Commandments. It's under Moses, the Mosaic law. But it's still the law. And I say, well, why do we want to teach kids or or others about the Ten Commandments? It is true that in the New Testament, all the commandments are mentioned except for the Sabbath, to keep the Sabbath holy, because we learned a couple of weeks ago that the Sabbath rest is Christ. He fulfilled the law, and He is our Sabbath rest, so there was no mention of that in the New Testament. And I challenge people because the law, no one can be perfect under the law. No one can be perfect under the law except for Jesus. He's the one that came and lived a perfect life and fulfilled the law. So I say, well, why do you want to teach someone the law? Yes, we should thrive and we should, we, we should maintain our relationship and stay connected to God. And he, and, he, and he sanctifies us and we shouldn't have anger in our heart toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. 100%. But the purpose of the law was not so that you would follow the law. The purpose of the law was to show you that you cannot be perfect, that you are a sinner, that you cannot live up to God's standard, and that you need a Savior. You need somebody to come in that can live up to that standard because you cannot. God never said you could. He wouldn't have sent His Son Jesus if He said you could. So let's be careful about the law because here in Hebrews 7, it says that now if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priests under the law, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to rise after the order of Melchizedek? There would be no reason. The law can't make you perfect, and we'll see that point here in a second. It only points us to our sins, our need for a Savior, our need for a high priest. 
under the order of Melchizedek. A priest that remains forever. A priest that only had to make one sacrifice, not daily sacrifices. And you might say, well, I'm still not seeing where Melchizedek has anything to do with my life or my walk with Jesus. You say, well, what in the world does this matter to me? I read a tweet. Anyone on Twitter or X, they call it X now. I don't tweet, I just like to read. Some of it's pretty entertaining. Um, But I I happened to see a guy on there, and he said this. He texted something along these lines. He said, would somebody please help me with understanding God? He said, because I am completely skeptical of everything. He said, I'm skeptical of everything. I'm having a hard time with this God thing. I get it. I get it. This world that we're living in, like I'm from the show me state. Like you tell me, you tell me you got a 20 gold bars in your car, I'm not going to believe you. I'm going to say, come show me. Let's, let's go out and take a look. I mean, I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm born into Missouri. I'm skeptical. Like, I want to see it myself. Artificial intelligence, now anything I see online, I'm like, is that really? Is it, did AI create that picture or that video? Fake news. I mean, I get it. Like, it's hard to trust anything anymore. And that's why I worry about the church. It's because a lot of people are like, I don't know. That church out there in the strip mall, like, I don't know what they're about. Like, I hear all this stuff in the news. Like, it's really hard for the, trust, for the church to gain people's trust and to keep it. Like, it's almost impossible. So I totally understand. No different than the Christian Jews here in Hebrews are saying, I don't know about this whole high priestly thing. I'm a little bit skeptical. They had grown up being Jews. Like, the priests were everything in relation to their religion, and now all of a sudden this Jesus shows up, and I'm a believer, and they're saying, there is no need for priests anymore. It's their tradition, it's their culture, it's their heritage, it's their religion, it's everything they've ever known about the priest. And now they're saying, don't need it anymore. And he's not from the tribe of Levi, by the way, too. They're like... It's okay to be skeptical about things. It's okay for you to be challenged when you're reading the Bible. But don't give up. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Don't give up. Keep going. Don't be the cancel culture. Just be like, don't like that in the Bible. See you later. God is at work within you. Like Jesus Christ is in you. His power of his resurrection is within you. Go to God and say, God, I don't understand this. I don't even know if I like this. He's a big God. He can help you work it out. Don't give up. Our job is to glorify God and to give Him glory for everything. So why would we not say, God, I don't know about this. I need you to help me. And then when He helps you work it out and understand truth, you give Him glory. 
to glorify him. There was a father in the Bible who brought his boy to Jesus and he said, my boy possessed with a demon. I don't know, he's having these seizures. He's, he's been doing it from the beginning. And your disciples, your apostles, they couldn't heal him. Jesus says, oh, this generation of unbelief. And he, and he questions him, questions him about, do you think I can heal this boy? And he, he answered with like, ah, I think, I think you can. I think. You think I can? Like, come on. And the father, I love his answer. He said, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And then Jesus healed his son. It's okay to tell God, like, I believe, but need you to help me with my unbelief. Bring him the faith that you have and ask him to help you to grow your faith. It's okay. You have permission. The Hebrews could not grow in their faith until they had worked through these issues. And this is a warning and instruction to you. You got to work through these things and not give up. for the application is things in the Bible will challenge you. The Hebrews were challenged in every way. Imagine this teaching and following Jesus to say, Jesus fulfilled the law. You don't have to do that anymore. Their whole lives are focused around following, trying to follow the law. There's no priest anymore. There's none of that. Changes everything. Imagine the struggles that they went through of believing, believing, believing. Second Peter 3.18 says, Grow in the, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To grow. Growth doesn't happen overnight. I don't kind of care what kind of miracle grow or whatever you have. It just doesn't happen overnight. Like it just, it takes time. It takes time. The Bible says to grow. It takes time. But to grow in, in the grace and knowledge. Like I, I want to just grow in the grace of God. <laughs> That's my human earthly side. I just grow in the grace of God. It doesn't stop there. It says grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. Why well, Jesus talks about agriculture all the time. Like these things just didn't happen overnight. Like when I first started going to church when we were in there, man and I were in our mid-20s. I'm the guy, I'm, we went to a large church. I went all the way in the back. Nobody talked to me. Nobody looked at me. Nobody shake my hand. Don't stop inviting me to your Bible study. I don't want to go. Pastor's praying. I'm out the door. So nobody talks to me. Like, it, it takes time, but God, he can really, he can do some amazing things if you just stay connected to him. All right, so lastly, as we wrap this up, um, Hebrews 7, last part, <clears throat> verse 26 and through 28. Amanda was reading this this morning, and she's like, oh, that's, that last part's really good. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, it's going to be in the last, so... 
Just listen to what it says. I think it would be encouraging to you as it was for me and Amanda. Verse 26, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest. Now, this is talking about Jesus. This isn't Melchizedek. That we should have such a high priest. Holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. That's, that's our high priest, right? He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifice daily for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Verse 28, for the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath which came later, that's Jesus, the New Testament, the New Covenant, that came later, the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Now, this is the high priest that we are under. There is no need for daily sacrifice. The old is gone and the new is here. The law was fulfilled by Jesus and now we're under grace. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was good once and for all. There is no need for any other sacrifices. You can try to live by the law and try to be perfect, but the law only kills. It can't save. It's never its purpose. All the law, all the Bible should point you to the Savior. That is Jesus. You can rest in the grace of God. That Jesus is our high priest. That his works on the cross and buried and risen three days later. Was, that was the works that he did for us in the past. Praise God. The work that he does for us now. I don't know if you know that he's doing works for us now. But he is now seated at the right hand throne of God. That he is our, our interceder. Inter- seating for us and our intercession that he's taking what we say and he's talking to God the Father. He he is saying that I died on the cross for his sins, constantly reminding God the Father of that. That he as our high priest is sitting at the right hand throne of God, interceding for us. That he represents us just as the the priest did back in 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 Judaism before Christ came in the Old Testament, that the priests represented the people. Now, God, is, as Jesus as our high priest, he represents us to God the Father perfectly, intercedes for us, represents us. You say, well, that prayer I said was really kind of dumb. God, Jesus takes it, he, he, he makes it better through the Holy Spirit, like he makes it better for God the Father, and he's saying, hey, I died on the cross for him. My sins are good enough for him. And he's just constantly doing that as our high priest. Praise God. Praise God for Jesus. Next time you read that Jesus is our high priest, I want you to think of that. That he is sitting right next to God the Father and he is advocating for you. He represent, he's representing you. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit goes around convicting people of their sin and their unrighteousness. That the law points you to know that you are a sinner. That God is doing many things pursuing you to let you know that you are a sinner. And that God, the Father, He is holy. He cannot be around sin. 
that the only way that we could be forgiven of our sins and to live with God for eternity, be forgiven of our sins for our debts to be paid that we can never pay back was for him to send his son Jesus to earth to die for us on the cross, to be the perfect sacrifice, to live the life that we couldn't live. And we can receive a free gift of eternal life through faith alone in Christ alone. What a deal. (laughs) What, What a great deal. That it is a free gift. You don't have to do anything to earn it. I've received free gifts before. I didn't have to earn them. It's your birthday. Here you go. Take it. All you got to do to take and receive that free gift is to put your faith, to trust, to sit, sit down and trusting that Jesus did everything for you. And then that makes you right, righteous and holy with God where you can be in the presence of God in heaven. Adam and Eve had a lot of, they had some pride when they ate of that apple. And all it takes is a little bit of humility to not trust in yourself, but to trust in what Jesus did for you. I know that can be hard. But I pray that God will show you only he can do that. Only he can save. Only he can open your heart and your mind and your ears to the gospel of Jesus. Only he can do that with your neighbors as you pray for them and your friends and your family, your coworkers. I would encourage you to do that. If you've never done that today, put your faith in Jesus. I would love to talk to you more about that. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you that Jesus is our high priest. Thank you that his sacrifice was good enough. There was no need to continue to atone for sins. Thank you that everything in the Bible, the work of the Holy Spirit, the law, everything points us to the need for a Savior, for Jesus. Thank you for those that are here that have put their faith and trust in Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would grow us in your grace and knowledge of you. Not to get any accolades or credit on earth or or try really hard to please you, but just simply to enjoy your fellowship and just to be obedient in whatever you would have us to do. Whatever those results are, Lord, we leave those up to you. The Bible says we can do nothing apart from you. We cannot be saved apart from Jesus. We cannot see this church reach this area. We cannot see people come to know you. We we, we cannot even wake up and, and, and even make it here, Lord, without you. So, Lord, we are asking, Lord, that you would do a mighty work within us. That we would trust fully that even if we are that man that talk to your son Jesus that says I believe but help me with my unbelief that we would admit that and say Lord help us help us with our unbelief that we as a church could love each other enough and to show this community the love of Christ that we can't do that without you we believe we can but we have a lot of unbelief help us with our unbelief help us to trust in you fully that you would do that and that and that we just have to be obedient to whatever you would have us to do
It should be easy and it should be joyful and we should just be happy in all of it. So Lord, we wait on you for that. We trust in all that you're doing in and through all of us. Lord, whatever it is, that, that hurdle that you, that, that each person here can't quite get over in their growth, Lord, help them to not give up and to keep pursuing you and keep pursuing truth. And Lord, I, help you, I pray that you help them to get over that, that barrier that's keeping them from growing to know you more. Lord, we love you and all God's people.